It is so easy to do. As a matter of fact, that's been so much of uh, many churches' history, uh, especially coming out of the, the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s. Uh, we became so over-programmed that we didn't re- leave space and margin for people to uh, become and to, to, to just naturally let the, the gifts of God flow through them because we were focusing so much of their time and energy and attention within the, the walls of the church. Hey, it's Rich, and welcome back to another episode of Leading Your Church. Today we're going to be talking about seven ministry essentials for overcoming plateau and decline. You know, as we think about how we realign our church, we focus on the ministries, the things that we need to to turn and the, the dials that we need to adjust. There's so many different things that we think we need to do. We think we need one of everything that every church out there is doing. And we look at what's going on in the life of our church and we recognize that Um, We see um, things that we're doing well. We see things that we're struggling to do. We see uh, how we're struggling to get volunteers for this and how we wish we could do that. And it becomes really so incredibly overwhelming as we think about how we uh, build the ministry that will allow us to produce the spiritual fruit that we desire within our church. One of the things that we have to know right up front as we are trying to help our church revitalize, how we're trying to help our church realign so that we can grow, so that we can reach new people, and so that we can produce the fruits of discipleship in the lives of the people who attend our church, we have to recognize that we cannot become an over-programmed church. It is so easy to do. As a matter of fact, that's been so much of um, many churches' history, uh, especially coming out of the the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s. We became so over-programmed that we didn't leave space and margin for people to uh, become and to, to, to just naturally let the, the gifts of God flow through them because we were focusing so much of their time and energy and attention within the, the walls of the church. We have to remove out of our mind that um, it's not that I need one of these and one of those and let me have one of those. No, we have to um, change our mindset. We need a mindset shift to take place so that we don't over-program our church and, in essence, over-program the people that God has called us to lead and to disciple. And so I want to bring out today what I think are seven ministry essentials that will help us overcome plateau and decline. Let's remember, I love the way in the book, uh, Future Church, Will Mancini talks about how we don't need to rely on the programs as a measure of success, but our measure of success is in the fruits of discipleship and evangelism. Are people producing uh, the fruit um, within their lives of discipleship and evangelism? Are we seeing that come out? The goal is not just to simply 
um, accomplish a program and to say that we've done it. So we have to adjust our mind and our heart. And so when I lay out these seven ministry essentials, some of them you may already be engaged with, you may be already doing, and you might just need to adjust the dial a little bit. Some of these you may not even be thinking about. They're not even on your radar and you need to begin praying and thinking and dreaming about what that might look like within your church. You don't have to go from zero to 10 in 30 days. It's going to take time to realign your church. It's going to take time to revitalize your church. And you have to recognize as a leader, I think one of the most important leadership skills that as leaders and pastors we need right now, ministry leaders, um, deacons and elders, we need to understand is the leadership skill of pace. How do we lead with the appropriate pace so that we can lead forward and so that we can turn the dials and so that we can begin uh, moving in the direction that we want to be? So um, I want you to, to guard your mind when I talk about these seven ministry essentials. Uh, you may, it may take you six months, it may take you 12 months, it may take you 18 months to begin moving into some of these essentials. But pace as a leader is so incredibly important. I, I see a lot of leaders um, struggle with this because what they want to do is they want to throw the everything at uh, the people in their church. We're going to do this, 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 we're going to do And the next month it's a whole nother laundry list of things. And so um, we'll talk more about in other episodes of the podcast about leading with pace and what does that look like. But today I just want, I say that because I want you to, to guard your mind around um, overwhelming yourself and then overwhelming the people in your church um, as you're leading forward. So the seven ministry essentials, I think, that are required to overcome plateau and decline. The first is pastors and the staff and, and ministry leaders, whether they're paid or volunteer or bivocational, the pastors and the ministry leaders are consistently developing their leadership skills. We've talked in other episodes the importance of renewing um, your heart um, for ministry, renewing your, um, your, your skills. You have to grow. You have to develop. You have to become better and stronger as a leader. And you have to do this consistently. Leadership development is not, I'm going to go to a conference once a year, or leadership development is not my denomination has a pastor's conference and I'm going to go to that. Leadership development is made up of what happens if you attend a conference? What happens when you listen to a podcast? What happens when you watch um, a leadership video on YouTube? Uh, the books you read, the the people you follow, all of those things make up your leadership development. And, um, you know, when it comes to leadership development for revitalization, you know, content's not the problem. You can find that anywhere and everywhere. But uh, some of that is how do you narrow the focus? And that's one of the things that we hope to do um, with re revitalizationessentials.org and with this podcast, Leading Your Church. We want to help uh, kind of turn the focus in on some leadership skills that will help you as you are trying to develop your leadership skills. But 
one of the ministry essentials is the pastor and the ministry leaders are consistently developing their leadership skills because, uh, you know, one of the things I've recognized in my life is I, I want to be a learner. Matter of fact, we were just talking about that with this, our staff team uh, in the last couple of weeks. We have to be learners. We have to be working to get better um, as leaders and in the ministries that we lead so that we can um, position ourselves best to be used by God in our calling. And so I just want to encourage you. I can't speak highly enough about this idea of leadership development. And um, and so tune into more episodes as we talk about different and specific leadership skills and how you can do that. And so the second leap ministry essential is that you reimagine God's work in your community. We've talked about that in a previous episode. You have to think about your community. You have to think about the place that God has, um, by his providential design, placed your church. Your church needs to have ministries and your church needs to have missions that has a spiritual impact on the community around you. And so you have to reimagine God's work in your community. I think so many times as ministry leaders, we just jump into trying to fix the things within our church. We think we fix all the things that we think we're supposed to be doing and the, the things that we think that we're supposed to, to have. And we forget that the ministry uh, is about discipling the people that live in the community right around your church. The people that, li- that these people live in your community, they attend your church, and God wants you to disciple them. He also wants you to reach those people. And so you need to reimagine what would happen if God was moving within your community. The third ministry essential is you need to create intentional church wide communication create intentional church-wide communication. I think communication within the church is one of the things that churches struggle with most. Some churches do really well at communicating the what you're doing, uh, you know, the when to be there, uh, what event's taking place, what you need to bring, how much is it going to cost, um, who should attend. Uh, we communicate the what. You see this in your bulletin. Uh, you may see this uh, loaded through your church Facebook. You, there's various ways that we communicate the what. A lot of times our church announcements uh, in church, we stand up and say, we say, here's what's going on. And we need to communicate that. Uh, those things are important. But that's only half of what you should be communicating. You have to communicate the why. Why does our church exist? Why does this ministry opportunity exist? Why do we do groups? Why do we do children's ministry? Why do we do this mission project? Why? And so we have to constantly be um, moving back and forth between the what and the why, the what and the why, the what and the why. Sometimes you need more what, 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 what. And then sometimes you need more why. This is why, this is why, this is why. So you have to think about your church-wide communication. And you can look at it over the course of a whole year. And you know you know when Christmas is coming. You know when Easter's coming. You know when Mother's Day is coming. You know when back to school is coming. You, you, you look at these things through the lens of what do we need to communicate 
and why are we doing these things? And so um, we're going to do more episodes and we're going to do some, some leadership lab on communication. But we have to understand that we need an intentional church-wide communication. It's not just whoever's scheduled to do the announcements stands up, picks up the bulletin before they go up there, and they just read what's written. We have to have a what and a why. It's like a dance. What and why. What and why. That's the third ministry essential. The fourth ministry essential is you need to execute a group discipleship strategy. Execute a group discipleship strategy. So what do I mean when I say group? Um, A group could be Sunday school. It could be connect groups. It could be life groups. It could be small groups. It could be whatever you use as your primary small group structure to teach the Bible within your church. It could be on Sunday morning. They could be on Sunday night. You may do yours in homes during the week. It, those things don't matter. Um, it does to me, and my my philosophy's been: it doesn't really matter what you call them um, that brings success. It's what happens within the group that will help your groups be successful or not. And so, if you use Sunday school, that can still work today. You don't have to have a new name to uh, bring new effectiveness. But you do have to execute a group discipleship strategy. I've got six things that I think help make um, for healthy groups. One is a a Sunday school class or a small group. Whatever you call it needs to be a place to make friends. You need to be able to um, develop relationships and friendships. That You need to be able to create um, relationships so that maybe you'll go out to lunch after church or uh, you'll have somebody over on a Friday night. Um, and this is why life stage is so important when it comes to groups, because you are creating places for people to be able to make friends. Tom Rayner wrote in one of his books, he said, churches can be um, friendly and a hard place to make friends. I think that is so true. And so our groups need to be a place where we can make friends. When you think about um, how to, when people visit your church and how to get them connected and engaged and assimilated into the life of the church, I think the the quicker they can make friends, the shorter that time frame of assimilation. And so groups have to be a place where people can make friends. Second, we have to teach the Bible for knowledge and application. The Bible has to be the primary teaching tool within our group structure. You can use a curriculum, but we need to teach the Bible. We need to teach it for knowledge. We need to understand what the Bible says, what it said when it was written to the original audience. We need to understand what it means for us today. And we need to uh, teach the Bible for application. What do I do with what I know? Because we learn this. What is the, What effect is this going to have on my life this week? Third, we need people to participate in the group. Uh, we need people in, within the, the whole room to be able to talk in the discussion, to add a prayer request. They need to participate, not just simply show up. That is not participation. Um, we have to help people. We have to lead people to participate in the group. Healthy groups also care for one another. Small groups, Sunday school, is the primary caring arm um, for the church. And so you have to care for one another. That means you have to know what's going on in the life 
of the people within your group. Uh, the fifth uh, uh, element there of a healthy group is you serve together. You should go and serve together. You can serve um, as greeters. You can serve in the nursery together. You can serve um, in a mission uh, group. Uh, we just had people from a small group serve in the concession stand and at, for the high school football game. You serve together. There are things that happen when you get together, roll up your sleeves, and you work on a project together. And finally, um, the, the sixth piece of a healthy group is that you expand the kingdom. You can't see the group as an end of itself. That means healthy groups will reproduce themselves. Healthy groups will start new groups. Healthy groups will expand the kingdom. You can't leave it just up to yourself to say, um, it's going to be us. And we're just going to stuff as many people in this room. And when no more, when when there aren't any, there isn't any more space for anybody else, we're done. You have to you have to have a kingdom mindset. And so, um, part of this ministry essential here is executing a group strategy. This becomes really the backbone of your church structure um, for ministry. This should be the primary vehicle for ministry within the life of your church. The fifth element, uh, ministry element, is you need to re-engage senior adults to gospel work. I believe senior adults really do, um, they want to see their church grow. And, and if your church is experiencing change, the senior adults in your church may feel like they are losing their church. I think one of the, the most important things and one of the biggest roles that I play in our life, in the, in the life of our church, is helping senior adults um, feel seen and known and cared for, and then helping pull out of them that desire that's within them to see the gospel advanced within the life of our church. Our senior adults in our church want to see the gospel advanced. And so we have to help them understand that the, a lot of the things that are being changed and adjusted are really tools and resources. They don't connect to the gospel directly. And we have to understand that uh, we don't exist for those tools and resources. We exist for the gospel. And so our senior adults need to be re-engaged to that. We, we need to give them a, a new picture that they can join the work. Um, we don't work around senior adults. We go together uh, with senior adults to move the church forward. Then the sixth ministry element is while we re-engage senior adults, we have to have a full focus on reaching and discipling the next generation. We have a full focus on reaching and discipling the next generation. We have to um, build relationships. We have to show up where teenagers are. Uh, you know, you, you've probably heard the, the statement where we, we have to reach people where we live, work, and play. And, you know, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and one of the things that it just became very clear to me that right now, probably that third place, uh, that that place that, uh, that, that I go to, um, most often right now is going to school sports events. I've, I've gone to almost every one of our teenagers' um, events, whether it was um, high school football, middle, uh, middle school football, volleyball. I am trying to get to uh, where our teenagers are. And in, the, in turn, what's happening is um, I'm deepening my relationship with them. Um, we have relationship. Now, we're not friends, um, but we have a healthy relationship because I know I love them and I care for them. You see, 
we have to have a full focus on reaching and discipling the next next generation if we're going to see our churches grow into the future. And so we'll talk more about what that looks like and what that means, but I just want you to know that you have to have a full focus on reaching and discipling the next generation. About six months ago, I started using the phrase, we have to grow young. Uh, There's a book that came out of Fuller Youth Institute titled Grow Young, and it researched churches across America and uh, what what it looks like for them to um, reach uh, and include uh, the next generation within the life of their church. And, and to be honest with you, it's worth your time to read that book and to look at it because it's based on um, real data and real research. And it's not what you think. It's not fog machines. It's not flashing lights. Uh, some churches had them and some churches didn't. Um, some churches were large mega churches and some churches were rural churches. Um, we have to grow young in our churches. And so I I would recommend that book to read. But we've got this included because you have to have a full, unapologetic focus on reaching and discipling the next generation. When I'm preaching every Sunday, I will say something along the lines, and, and teenagers, this is what this means. And children... You need to hear what the Bible's saying. I, I, I speak to them because it's important for them to be included and to know that the sermon's not just for adults. We have to have a full focus on reaching and discipling the next generation. The last ministry uh, essential is that we have to have ongoing evangelism training. We have to find a way to systematically and ongoing train people to have spiritual conversations. One of the ways I've done this is I had a, I taught a large uh, class within our church, um, just a one-day, three-hour deal on how to have spiritual conversations. I'm in the process now of going back and videotaping those uh, that training into smaller sections because um, I want people who weren't there to be trained to, to how to have spiritual conversations. But I also want the people that were there to go back and listen because we have to hear these things over and over and over again. So number one, that our heart and mind is soft to what God is doing around us, to the people that God has already placed around us. We have to see the people that are around us. And then we also need to have that language. We need to have that verbiage um, circling back around, recycling back around so that we are prepared to have that diagnostic question, how how we're going to transition the conversation from a regular conversation to a spiritual conversation. And then we need to, to recycle in our minds how we're going to draw the net. But having ongoing evangelism training uh, is something that's important because it constantly keeps evangelism in front of everyone. Evangelism is a job of everyone. And sadly, many of our church members haven't had a spiritual conversation in years. And so it's not just a one-time class. It's not just a check the box. It's something that we need to consistently be preparing ourselves to have these spiritual conversations. You see these seven ministry essentials, they're probably not what you thought. But I believe if you can turn the dials on these essentials, that you can begin to prepare your church to overcome plateau and decline. 
Some of these, as a leader, you're going to have to address yourself personally before you're prepared to address within the church. Because see, if it's not in us as leaders, then it's probably not going to come out to the congregation. And so I just want to encourage you as a leader that God has called you and placed you in your church. He wants you to lead your church forward. He wants you by his leadership and and under his divine uh, direction. He wants you to move your church forward. He wants you to do it together. He wants you to move your church to bear fruit. Now, it's it's easy to say this in a podcast, and this is where I'm supposed to tie it up on a bow and make it sound like everyone's got this under control and it's not hard. No, it is hard. That's why um, that's why we need leaders. If it were easy, we wouldn't need leaders. And so I just want to encourage you, don't lose heart in leading. Uh, that's why I, I, we need other people in our life to encourage us. And so um, look at these seven ministry essentials. Look at ways that you can begin taking small baby steps towards them and then start tackling them one at a time or maybe two at a time and work on that for a month or two and then move to the next. You can lead your church forward. It's going to take time. But you can see the work of God renewed in your church. I pray that as you hear these things that God will prompt you with where to start, what the the first action step is. Take one or two small steps. Begin moving forward and rest in the work that God is doing in your heart and pray. Pray specifically that God will bring renewal and revitalization within your church. Keep pressing on. Keep doing the work that God's called you to. Don't lose heart in doing good. And serve another week. And let's see what God will do.